Our reading this morning comes from Ephesians 5. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always, giving thanks to God the Father for everything, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. All right. Well, good morning. Thank you for bearing with me. Um, Man, I'm going to be so restricted today. I was planning on getting rowdy up here, but now we're going to have the handheld mic. I see a lot of red today. Something going on tonight with some red. Yeah, we got got any Eagles Eagles fans in the house? We got a couple. Hello, some Eagles fans. Chiefs tonight, Chiefs fans, man, you guys proved my point exactly right there. This is my point. I I set that up. I set you up because sometimes when you walk into church, I know you're going to be like 10 times louder at your house tonight, okay? But you come into church, you button up your shirt. Some of you were bold enough to wear the Chiefs jerseys. I respect it. Or the Chiefs polo. I see you. Um, You know, Chiefs polo, that's like game day and church together. You're doing it, okay? But hey, isn't that funny though, man? Something like you walk into church, it's like, all right, serious time now, you know? But tonight we're going to go home. I know some of you are going to be yelling at your TV with dip on your face, just going crazy, you know. And that's what I'm going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about worship. We're going to talk about what it looks like to worship together, why expressiveness in worship is, is a good thing, why it's okay to do that. And I'm doing it in the context of our series on the Holy Spirit. Um, we're in week four right now talking about experiencing Um, the Spirit together, experiencing and understand life with the Holy Spirit together as a community. And this morning, we're going to look at how worship, singing songs to Jesus, both um, is something that creates a Spirit-filled life in us, and it is the outflow of a Spirit-filled life. So pray with me, and then we will get into what we're going this morning. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you that these words that were written 2,000 years ago have life in them. And Holy Spirit, we, we invite you to come this morning to take these words that were written thousands of years ago and breathe on them. That even as we worship you this morning, Jesus, we, we bring you our hearts. We bring even the stuff that we, uh, we feel like we're not allowed to bring into these places, but we just bring it to you right now and ask you to meet us right where we are. So we just invite you to come, Holy Spirit, meet with us this morning. Use these words, encourage us, build us up, and send us out. Amen. Amen. Well, let me read this passage one more time because there's some things that I really want to draw in on here. But, but Paul starts with this, right? He says, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, for that leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know if you caught that, even when he says it. He says, don't, don't be unwise, but he says, but know what the Lord's will is. And God's will sometimes can be really tricky for us, especially when you're like 18 to 23. You're like, what is God's will for my life? You know? And here, there, there is something to be said about God's 
predetermined plan and what he's going to do. But, but, but more clearly in this passage, what he's talking about is God's desire. God's will is God's desire. And what is God's desire for you? And his desire is that you and I would be filled with the Spirit. God longs to fill you with his Spirit. That's where we're starting off this morning. It's not something that you have to convince him to do. Not something you have to try to twist his arm to try to trick him into doing. But it is his absolute heart and pleasure and desire to fill you with his Spirit. Paul prays something really similar in Ephesians chapter 3. He says this, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled, this is his summary of that prayer, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. So God's desire, Paul's prayer, our prayer as a church is that we would be filled with the fullness of God, filled with his presence, filled with his spirit. And I've said it once, and I'll, I'll say it again, okay, because we got some more baristas in the house, okay? But a good barista knows that when I order 12 ounces of coffee, I do not want 12 ounces of coffee. I want 10 ounces of coffee in my 12-ounce cup, right? Because when you get 12 ounces of coffee in that 12-ounce cup, what ends up happening when that thing is so full is you end up burning your hand because that thing spills out over the top of you, right? You guys know it. You're like, come on, man. I didn't want all the cup full, right? But when they fill up my cup and I take my cup and, it, and I walk and I spill and I burn my hand, I need the rest of that coffee to calm me down. You know what I mean, okay? That is the imagery of being filled with the Spirit, that it just flows out of us, that the Spirit is so full in us that it drips out of us. That's the natural thing when something is so full that it actually overflows, and that is the invitation to the Christian life, by the way. The invitation to following Jesus is not one of more determination. It is not one of this kind of Christianized ambition, but it is one where you are invited to receive something that is then to flow out of you. It's an invitation to be filled with the fullness of God. It's what David prays in Psalm 23, right? He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I'm good. I've got what I need. <laughs> And then he continues and he said, you anoint my head with oil in my cup. It overflows. Oil symbolic in the Old Testament of the Holy Spirit. David is saying, I have been anointed with power from the Spirit. And now my cup, it overflows. It's the same imagery that Jesus has in mind in John chapter 7 when he stands before all of the people and he invites them and says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And just to kind of double, double down on it, John just says, and this he said about the Spirit. Just to bring some clarity to us, you know, come on. 
If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. It's this invitation to come to Jesus, to drink of water that will never run dry, that will always satisfy, to be filled with the Spirit, to drink of the Spirit. And then he says, and out of your heart will flow that same river of living water. The invitation of Jesus this morning, the invitation of Jesus day in and day out is to come to Jesus, to be filled with the Spirit, and then to become rivers of living water. Out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, I don't know if, that, if you would describe your Christian experience so far as that. It's like, man, how, how's, how's your walk with the Lord going? You're like, man, just flowing, bro. Just drips off of me, you know? I don't even know. You know, that's, that's the image that the, the, the early church had in mind. This is what it meant to follow Jesus. The posture was not one of white knuckles where you're trying harder, but the image is where you're just like carrying around a cup. You're like, oh, sorry, blessed you. My bad, bro. Totally blessed you. Sorry, dude. You know, just dripping out of me. Can't help myself. That's the image of what it means to be a spirit-filled person, the image of what it means to be a spirit-filled church. And this is one of the reasons why we're doing this series, because as a church, we do not want to settle for boring, religious, striving Christianity, but we want to hold God to his word. We want to take him at his promise. I'm going to say, your promise, Jesus. This is what you said, by the way. This isn't like a wishful thinking. He said, this is his promise. Your promise is that you will satisfy us with living water. And then it will flow through me. And we don't want to settle for less than his promise. It's the promise of Jesus. It's the invitation of Jesus. And some of us, we've shrunk in our expectation of what following Jesus can look like. Sorry. This is not supposed to happen in minute seven of the sermon. This is more of like a, you know, close, you know. You close with emotion. You don't start with it. Read the communication books, Cam. But we want to look at the scriptures, and we want to take them at what they are. We want to hear the invitation that they say there's more for us. So that's why we're leaning into this series in general, because we want to be a spirit-filled person, spirit-filled people, a spirit-filled community, that this is the word. This is the promise of what it means to follow Jesus. And so for the next two weeks, um, I'm going to be talking about two of the primary ways that we cultivate our own hearts to receive from the spirit, to become a spirit-filled person. And this morning, I'm going to talk about worship. Next week, we'll talk about prayer. But this morning, we're going to, that's why we're looking at this passage, Ephesians chapter 5, because Paul is connecting us to being spirit-filled, us singing songs to the Lord our heart, with our hearts, psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, to being a spirit-filled person. And this morning, we can talk about worship in a ton of different ways, but I, but I am, we are talking about it in terms of song, because that's what the passage is connecting it to. So I'm going to be asking three questions as we go through it. We're talking about why worship, why song, and then what does it look like? So first, why worship? And worship is actually what God has been after from the beginning. God is after worshipers. I don't know what you would say is my primary role and primary identity as a Jesus follower, but I think one of the primary ones the scriptures would lay out for us is we are meant to be worshipers. Deuteronomy chapter 6 the, the, maybe the, the main command that the, the young Hebrew boys and girls would have written on their heart, the main one that they would have is called the Shema. And the Shema said this, it said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your strength. It's what God has been after from the jump. Worship. Loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. Even in the Exodus story, when, when God redeems and sets his people free from captivity, he does so and he says, let my people go so that they may worship me. The freedom that he, that he takes the people of Israel out of slavery is all to a means to an end and so that we might enter into worship. It's seen even more clearly in the life and the teachings of Jesus. Jesus, in one of his most beautiful accounts of his life, he's, he's going from one place to another. He's leaving Judea, avoiding the crowds, heading back to Galilee, when apparently it says that he has to take a detour through Samaria. And Samaria, we, we would know if you were a, a, a Jewish reader at the time, you'd say, that's crazy because Jewish people do not go through Samaria. Not only that, it was out of the way. It was like taking a quick detour to Samaria. It's like, dude, just stay on 70. And he was like, nah, bro, I got to go through Samaria. I'm like, why? He sends, his, he sends all of his 12, his disciples, his people into town. He says, go get me some stuff. And he makes his way to a well at high noon. Knowing that nobody would be at a well at high noon because it's too hot there unless you are trying to avoid running into someone because you are so riddled with embarrassment and shame. And that's exactly where he finds a woman. A woman approaches him. They, have this, they enter into this conversation where Jesus actually gives three chapters before we see his mass invitation to drink of the Spirit. This is the, the beauty of Jesus is that he gives it to one person. The same invitation he says to her, he says, I have water that will quench all of your thirst. This woman, as he crosses every ethnic, cultural, gender, every barrier that we could put up between people, he crosses it to invite this woman to drink of this water. And the conversation that begins with this invitation, it ends with a conversation about worship. He says this to the woman, he says, you worship what you don't know but we worship what we know. And he says, and the hour is coming, and it's now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And some commentators, they would say that this is meant to be a picture of the great lengths that Jesus will go to to find worshipers that he will meet us in our wounding, in our shame, in our fear, in all of it to invite us to drink of his water and to worship him. To get us in touch with our core desire, our core way that our heart functions, that we were made to worship him. And you can't talk about worship without using this David Foster Wallace quote, okay? So I have to use it. It's, it's part of what it means to give a worship talk, okay? So there's this quote by David Foster Wallace, who's an atheist, and we love to quote atheists to prove Christianity because it's what we do, okay? But he says this. He said, here's something else that's weird. He's giving this big address to an elite institution, an elite college, and, he, and he's giving this talk, and he ends up talking about worship. He says, here's something else that's weird but true. In the day-to-day -day trenches of adult life, there's actually no such thing as atheism. There's no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. That pretty much anything else you worship will eat you alive. If you worship money and things, if they are what you tap into real meaning in life, then you will never have enough, never feel enough. If you worship your own body and beauty and sexual allure, then you will always feel ugly. 
And when time and age start showing, you'll die a million deaths before they finally plant you. Saying we're designed to worship. We can't help but worship. Even if you're not trying to, you're worshiping something. I'm sorry to say it, but some of you will raise your hands in worship today when Patty Mahomes hits the boy Kelsey on a slant for a touchdown. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm just saying it, okay? But if they lose, you're going to be very sad because <laughs> they're not worthy of your worship. I'm just kidding. All right. Wow, too far. Um, but each Sunday, that's what we're doing. We're coming in to realign our hearts with worship. As much as the teaching, it matters. We're wanting to instruct and inform our minds by God's word. We enter in worship to give our hearts and our allegiance back to Jesus saying no one else is worthy of my worship. No thing is worthy of my worship. My body is not worthy. My, my money, it can't sustain me. Everything else will fail me. But rightly and properly align my heart again, oh God, here I am. That's what we do every morning. It's why we sing in worship. And we do it through song. And it's interesting, right? Like, why do we do it through song? Why does even Paul use this, right? Like he didn't even, I don't even know what instruments. He didn't have a speaker back in the day. And he's still like, yo, speaking to one another with hymns, psalms, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. But there's something in us that, that song connects our heart, doesn't it? I know some of you drive on the radio and sometimes that song comes on and you have some memory that you're like, I'm just going to change that. I can't, I can't go there, you know. Song has a way of doing that. I remember when I proposed to Kayla, I don't know why I did this, but I brought a speaker out, because I don't know. <laughs> Looking back, like, why did I do that? I don't know. But I brought a speaker out, you know, to play some music. I think it's for the vibe, you know, I'm a big vibe guy. Okay, so I'm like, let's vibe this thing up. Okay, so I turns, there's a song that came on, and yo, every time that song comes on now, I'm like, oh girl, I'll fall in love with you all over again, you know? It's like we're in the middle of a fight, and I'm like, babe, let me turn this on really quick. We good? We're fine, right? We're okay? I actually just found out that the song's about breaking up, which is really weird to know. That's like a, man, that's why we had to worship in spirit and truth. That was a real spirit song, you know, like engaging. The melody really got my heart, but I didn't know what I was singing, okay? But song does that, doesn't it? Song grips our hearts in ways that our mind isn't even really there. Literally, my mind wasn't even there. I couldn't even think about what I was singing, just the melody. I was like, oh, girl, I love you, you know? You get it. Song engages our hearts, our hearts are both moved by song and they're expressed through song. There's, there's things that poetry and song can express that mere words and text messages and letters can't, right? And by the way, I don't even know if you know this, but, but God himself is a singing God. Zephaniah 3, one of the most beautiful passages in the library of Scripture, it says this, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save he will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. And he will exult over you in loud singing. I don't know what your view of God is towards you this morning, but that's a different one, right? That's different than just a nice, stern dad who's like, I love you, son. I love you, daughter. But singing over you, that's who God is this morning. He delights in you in such a way that it just bubbles out of him in song. It's like, I, just, I would break out in song right now as a way of expressing that, but I can't. But that's what, it, that's what it is. That's who he is. He's a singing God. He expresses his own heart through song over us. And it's why Paul invites us to make music to the Lord and sing from our hearts, right? 
It's to con- it is so connected to our experience of God with and in our hearts, an experience of God's presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Because you know this. That reading books, listening to podcasts, having great spiritual conversations, all things that I love to do have ways of engaging your mind, but worship and singing to the Lord engages your heart in a different way. You know that in your own experience, when your mind is just too tired, you're like, I can't listen to anything except for I just got to listen to a song right now. It has a way of bringing rest into our hearts that our mind just can't, we, we, we need to just sing. It connects our hearts in ways. And to tie it back into John chapter 4, he's inviting us to worship him in spirit and in truth. And so for most of us, we come in here with some different kind of worship song background, right? Whether it's our culture, our disposition, our personality, or even just our church background, whatever it might be, we tend to float one way or the other into more of a spirit kind of worship or a truth kind of worship. Jeremy laid out in week one kind of the different kinds of churches that we have come from or participated in, word churches and spirit churches. It's almost like Jesus knew what he was talking about when he said, I'm seeking worshipers who will seek me, who will worship me in spirit and in truth. But I just want to look at this one more time and and remind us that we want all of this, right? The word churches, the the more truth-centric worship experiences that reflect on and proclaim God's truth, that emphasize more of God's transcendence, that have a liturgy to it, a flow and a structure and a form, that most of the songs end up singing about God, who he is, his character, his nature, his beauty, his glory, and that there's a risk with, with, with primarily truth experiences of worship, and that's that we, we check our emotions at the door and we stay in our minds and we just, we just proclaim things with our minds, but we don't allow our hearts to express themselves. And then there's the spirit-centered worship, or, or more of a spirit-expressed worship. And that's about enjoying God's presence. Emphasis on God's nearness is more expressive. The songs end up being more to God. Emphasize our connection with the Father. And there's a risk with this, too, that we end up chasing emotions We end up chasing experience that we allow ourselves to be manipulated with our emotions. And the reality is we want all of this. We want songs that are beautiful about God's truth, that are intellectually amazing. And we want songs that are from our hearts, where we can express ourselves with our bodies while singing great truths with our mind. That is how we were made to worship in spirit and in truth. You can, you can take the slide down because I want to look at the people now. It's like, <laughs> it's like I feel your eyes drifting to the, like, finally, something to look at. Paul says something really similar in 1 Corinthians 14, though, okay? He says this. He says, he says it about praying, and then he puts a comma, and then he says the same thing about singing. He says, and then I will sing with my mind, and I will sing with my spirit. So in my mind, I'm thinking Paul's playlist, it, 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 is, it is compiled of both theologically dense songs and those five word songs that just go again and again and again. And you're like, are we going to keep singing the same word? We're like, yes, we are, because we need it, you know? One with his mind, with his intellect, and the other with his spirit or his gut, with his heart. And so when we sing, when we worship, we want all of it. 
It's why, it's why Paul, it's why he ends there. He says, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. It's actually one of the major rebukes of the Hebrew people. In Isaiah, he says this, right? He says, my people, they honor me with their lips, but their, their hearts are far from me. As if to say we can sing songs, but have our hearts completely disengaged. And again, it's revealing to us the heart of God for us. That in worship, ultimately what he wants is not just your perfect voice or your words or even your perfect theology, although that really, really matters. What he wants in our worship is our hearts. That's ultimately what worship is. It's bringing your whole heart to the altar and worshiping God for who he is. So as I close, just a couple ways that this looks for us. One, it looks like us privately worshiping by yourself. Praise God, it's 2023. I say that almost every day. I could not live in another generation. I would not survive, okay? I'm so glad. I was just thinking about that this morning. We live in a world where most of our lives were in room temp. What a blessing, you know? It's like, what's the temperature inside? Perfect, all the time. Amazing, I don't know. <laughs> but we also have the capability to have every worship song ever basically on our device at any moment, any time. Like, you can enter into worship. In your car, you can enter into worship in your office, wherever it might be, and you can just turn on and let a couple songs wash over you. Worship is an exercise in beauty. It, it, it allows us to take hold of the beauty of Jesus. So to enter into worship by ourselves, it actually, it actually lifts our eyes to something. If we're talking about our worship, our sin struggles, whether it's lust, greed, or whatever it might be, it's actually not going to be driven out by your efforts to stop doing that thing, but it's almost always driven out by being captivated by something that is more beautiful than that thing. And worship, even privately, singing songs by yourself has the ability to do that in ways that we can't intellectually always understand, but it captivates and grips and moves our hearts in unique ways. It's actually how we become more like Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3 says that as we behold the glory of the beauty of God, we actually become more like him. That as we behold Jesus, we just look at who he is and how beautiful he is. Our hearts are actually moved and transformed and we actually become more like him. It's one of the expressions. Worship has become a spiritual discipline for me. It's became, it's became something that when I really am struggling, what I need is not just to figure out my problems, but I just need to lift my eyes in worship and sing and present my whole heart before the Lord. What it looks like is it looks like singing through pain and suffering. Singing and worshiping when things do not make sense. I, I love that Paul connects this to alcohol, not always, but a little bit here, okay? He says, right, he says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And then he talks about singing. Because alcohol, when it's used incorrectly, what it does is it numbs our reality. It turns down the volume on our reality. But what he's saying is worship actually turns up the volume on reality. That you're part of a truer, more beautiful, more glorious story than you could ever imagine. It pulls your mind out of your problems and it focuses them on a promise and a person. It makes you look at Jesus to say, I don't know what's going on, but I'm just going to sing to you. It holds us, it sustains us through those seasons in our life. I have a playlist on my Spotify that says, just sing through it. <laughs> just, just sing, bro. Just sing through it. It's going to be okay. It turns up the volume on reality that God is good that it might not make sense, but that he's good and he loves you and he's a good shepherd and he's taking care of you and he's walking with you.
It also looks like expressiveness with our bodies. Some of you, you're like, finally, let's go. I've been dying to raise my hands in church, you know? And some of you are like, okay, here we go. I knew this was coming. Let me just read some scripture for you, okay? Psalm 119, verse 48. All of these are David talking about his own singing, worship, prayer life with God. Psalm 119, verse 48. I will lift my hands towards your commands, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. It it is a way of lifting our hands towards the ways of God to say, I'm going to follow you, God. Psalm 134, verse 2, lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. We know this one. This one's intrinsic to us, but raising our hands is an act of celebration. It's to just bless the Lord, to say, you're worthy, you're amazing, you're good, you're beautiful. We naturally do that. I'm gonna, I'm, praise God, it's Super Bowl Sunday. I'm going to keep going at you guys, you know. You're going to lift your hands today. Yesterday when Mizzou hit the buzzer beater, we went, woo! We raised our hands because to celebrate is to raise our hands. It's a natural way to do it. Psalm 141, verses 1 and 2, O Lord, I call upon you. Hasten to me. Give ear to my voice when I call to you. Let my prayer be counted as incense before you and the lifting of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Lifting our hands is a way of sacrifice. It's to not just lift our hands when we feel like it, but it's to say, I don't feel it. And here I am, God, giving you my heart. It's an act of sacrifice as worship to the Lord. It's to say, here I am, God even when I don't feel it. Psalm 143, verse 6, I will stretch out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. It's an expression of longing. It's to say, Jesus, I need you. I want you. I I long for your presence. Expressing our bodies moves our hearts. We are are, are not just these detached, detached, that's the word, spirits from our bodies, but we are a body. Our bodies and our spirits are connected. We are a person. So our bodies and our souls, they're connected. It's why your body does stuff when your heart feels something. It's why your face smiles when you feel joy and you frown when you're sad. It's because out of the overflow of your heart, your body moves. It's what it naturally does. And I can't move on without saying this. Is he not worth our worship? Is he not worth us giving our entire body, soul, mind, expressiveness to him? If there are things that are worth standing up for, how much more is Jesus worth standing and worshiping and singing and clapping for? In fact, it's it's what is going on in heaven right now. Revelation chapter 4, right? It says, It says that all the angels, all the beings, they're around the throne right now, and they can't stop doing this because they are so amazed at the beauty of Jesus. They can't stop. They just keep saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. It's why healing happens in worship. It's why the voice of God becomes somewhat clear as we worship. It's why breakthrough happens in worship. Our expectations of God actively coming and our faith being filled in worship because it's the culture of heaven. It's bringing the culture of heaven down here. It's when Jesus prays, on earth as it is in heaven, it's worship. What's happening in heaven right now is the people of God are around the throne of God saying, God, you're worthy. God, you're holy. And it's our response to who he is, that he saved us, that Jesus looked at you in your waywardness and in your brokenness, 
not because of one thing that you've done right, but because of his great love for you. He's sought you out. He's pursued you. He's invited you to his table to eat with him. He's forgiven you. He's healed you and he's healing you. He's doing amazing things in our midst and in our life. And all we do in response is just to say, you're worthy. You're worthy of our worship. And so for us, as we continue in this series to seek more of the Spirit, to seek more of His presence and His power, one of the ways we do that is through song. And so let me just invite you, even even this morning, and as we enter into this series, what would it look like to maybe not be so self-conscious, self-aware? We want want self-awareness, but you know what I mean? That, that, That awareness of like, how's everyone thinking about me right now? And just to lose yourself in worship, it is actually one of the, the primary acts that we lose ourselves, that we stop thinking about everything. I stop thinking about the comparison. I stop thinking because it cannot stand in the presence of our worship because it can't stand in the presence of Jesus. We lose ourselves in his presence as we worship him. Let's pray. Even now, Jesus, we just thank you so much for your presence with us. Holy Spirit, you long to make Jesus look beautiful to us. It's not the only thing you do, but it's one of the major things that you do is to to glorify Jesus. So even as we invite you to come, even now and as we sing, we ask you to fill us. Fill us afresh with your presence. Fill us fresh with your spirit. Even as we just sit here, would you immerse us and overwhelm us with your love? Would you, that prayer that Paul prays in Ephesians 3, we long to be filled with the fullness of God. That we would understand, that you'd give us the strength to understand the height and the depth and the width and the breadth of the love that Jesus has for us. So move in us even this morning, Jesus. We love you. We commit ourselves to you. Amen.